You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Thank You for Your Servers, a show which looks at the tech news of today, but from a libertarian perspective. Now here are your hosts, Thaddeus and Gary. Thank you for logging on to Thank You for Your Serv. Thank you for your servers. I'm Thaddeus Preston, aka Nick Way. Hey, and uh, joining me as always is Gary Guthrie. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, I've been better, but we're, I'm going to power through this because we got to give you guys our weekly, almost weekly tech rants from a Liberty perspective. This and other podcasts are brought to you by the Make Liberty Great Again network of podcasts. So let's get to it, ladies and gentlemen. Disney Plus. Did you sign up, Gary? I didn't sign up. No, uh, I'm waiting for Song of the South to come out. <laughs> you had to go there. <laughs> Uh, for those of you who've been living on a rock, or for those of you who actually like Disney, um, unlike some of the hosts on the network who despise it, which they gave pretty good reasons to hate it, I, I would I would implore you to listen to the latest episodes of Voluntary Vixens. It makes you, makes me want to kind of you know remove Disney Plus from my Disney Plus bundle of ESPN Plus and Hulu. But again, Disney owns everything. Ten million subscribers out of the gate, uh, despite uh, a lot, uh, a lot of uh, issues initially uh, with a lot of people having an, an, the inability to sign up, or once they signed up, having the inability to log in, having uh, dealing with customer service issues, um, just you know a whole lot of basically first week, first couple weeks jitters or or, or glitches. <clears throat> it's hard, right? Because they had been you know, hyping up demand for this service for the last six months. And so um, this pent up demand for people wanting access to all the Disney classics, including maybe Song of the South. Is Song of the South not on Disney Plus? I know Dumbo is, which is, you know. That's just as racist. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I haven't looked at the library. I'm just making an assumption. I know that you can't get it on DVD. So, eh. I don't know. I mean, uh, I, if anything, I would do it for Mandalorian, but I, which is which is which is fairly good, by the way. I, I've, I've heard good as, things. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty good. I mean, at the at the very least for Baby Yoda, or that's the thing. So I've been looking up for the past week, and apparently in the Star Wars canon, the species species of Yoda is is not mentioned anywhere. Right. Yeah. So I, I we don't I even know what it's there. we don't know what it's called. Yeah, we don't know what it is. We just know Baby Yoda. And I think that I, now, are we even sure this is actually Yoda? I don't know. Well, here, well, but here's the deal: it, it it can't technically because of the the time frame for which the the Mandalorian falls in. Technically, it can't be. That's right? what I've heard, right? So it's, unless it's unless we're on some unless this force is on some supernatural tish. I mean, I don't know. I I, I don't know. It should shouldn't be Yoda. Um. And stuff like that. I don't know. I, 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 anyway, um, The Mandalorian <laughs> is definitely a reason to watch it. DuckTales is, you know, all episodes of DuckTales is definitely a reason to watch it as well. And then, of course, yeah, the the more problematic or controversial bits of content with the warnings and disclaimers on them. Yeah. 
yeah, are 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 there as well. I mean, I get I get why they had to do it. I mean, it's it's silly, but because because we live in an age of people who are weak. Exactly, exactly. At least they didn't sanitize the actual content. You know. Yeah, that's that is actually something I'm very grateful that they have not done. Leave it from an artistic standpoint, right? The way it is, but for those who are soft and triggered and stuff like that, yeah, put a disclaimer up front, like, "Hey, this may be a little, this may insult your sensibilities," and and maybe blah blah blah. blah, blah. Maybe it serves another purpose to remind people, look, we do stupid things, right, and we do insensitive things at times, but. It happened. Let's not pretend it didn't happen. Let's, you know, let's just watch it. And that's what it was. And agreed. Understood. Um, so, yeah, a, a lot of these, you know, kind of breaking down of a lot of the issues that Disney Plus was having in the beginning is taken from a fairly decent uh, Gizmodo article, though, as it gets toward the end, it gets sniveling and annoying. Um, uh, but uh, other than that, like, yeah, there were lots of snags, right? I mean, you know, the the interoperability of the app across Mobile versus Roku versus uh, Xbox versus this. I mean, there were there were big issues, right? But this is a this was a massive launch. There was a lot of um, there were a lot of technical hurdles that had to be overcome even to get it somewhat working. I, uh, for one, only experienced um, some snags in the beginning. The first night I came home uh, after it became available because I think it became available on a Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't quite remember, but. Um, like I talked to my wife during the course of the day because I was seeing these stories on Twitter and, and Facebook and other places about people having difficulties. And she said, no, generally speaking, it's, it was fine. Only when I got home and attempted to watch The Mandalorian did the first 10 minutes were, you know, buffering and the quality, you know, how it uh, slowly degrades quality and stuff like that. But, you know, the last 20 some odd minutes of it, because they were actually very short episodes, The Mandalorian. Yeah, like 30 uh, minutes, th- right? Yeah, 30, 30, 40 minutes. I think the, the, only, the, the longest one has been like the first one, which is 39 minutes. But literally, the other 29 minutes of that particular episode were fine. And so, I, 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 I don't get it. But here's the deal. I also have a, a huge – I also have advantages when it comes to internet access that most people don't have. So, that helps. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, what do you expect – it's a massive service that by the t- probably by the end of the year, particularly when we get into the holiday season, we'll probably have 30 plus million subscribers. Easily. Um, yeah. Easily. And yeah, I, I, I don't doubt at all that it's going to be tough. Um, there are going to be many, many more technical hurdles. There's a lot more original content coming to Disney Plus that is highly anticipated that is going to basically put the stress on this service. But, I mean, it stumbled a bit out of the gate from a relative standpoint. You know, it's not the typical Disney experience you would get. So, but kind of going back to this Gizmodo article, um, you know, uh, on top of a lot of the kind of major uh, things that have been kind of documented that went wrong at the initial launch were some kind of nitpicky things where, like, um, they did a search for marvel m r v l and like found no results and i'm just like well yeah you you, you typed in m r v l you searched for nonsense yeah you, right uh, um but oh, but netflix does, doesn't do this is like well netflix has been doing this longer 
and has a larger data set for its search terms. They were complaining about getting error messages when they tapped in Nat Geo. And it's like, well, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's, that's a, a, a euphemism, right? For National Geographic. It, it isn't, it's shorthand for National Geographic. It's not a search term that uh, a, a, a fairly new service in its search database would have. As time moves on, I suspect you will be able to type in your little things like that. It'll evolve, yeah. N- not being able to handle misspellings and stuff. Again, millennial nitpicking. Ben, then there was the one where I guess if you type in bitch, <laughs> you get like, it returns multiple women-led titles and a documentary from Princess Diana. It's was like... Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> I mean, one could argue. <laughs> one, if, if one were looking to be offended, that would be offensive. Um, but that's also, again, um, okay, millennials. Um, it doesn't work right. Well, we've, got, we've grown to this place where everyone expects everything to be perfect and sanitized all the time. And there's no excuse for anything to not be perfect, you know? And, and it, it kind of makes me... You just want to barf. Yes. <laughs> um, also, I guess there. I guess some of the more R-rated Disney stuff won't be on there. Um, Marvel Disney stuff, like E. Deadpool, I guess is not on Disney Plus right now. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, yeah, I. I don't know. That's kind of the Disneyfication of a lot of things. It's really, really, really annoying. There's two. There's two trends that are that are. Well, actually, I say there are three trends that are making entertainment suck trying to cater to Chinese censors because you're going to ultimately air said show or movie in China. It is the social justice left who tends to find offense in everything. And it's the Disneyfication of everything because it makes everything super PG-13 and sanitized. Wasn't there, wasn't there some sort of fake outrage about after the first two Mandalorian episodes, people were complaining that there weren't any women speaking or something. And then, the women showed up in episode three and now all the social justice warriors have flipped and they love it. Wasn't there something? No, there was that. And then there was also the fact that it was the first episode direct, uh, directed by a, uh, by a woman of of the season. Um, this, yeah, this is really, really annoying. You should probably let the episodes stand on their merits. And I would, I would argue that definitely episode three was, was the better of the three. But I, I would also argue that, like, just because a woman directed it and it was a fairly well-received episode does not mean that, like, triumph feminism. I mean, it just – I don't know what the outrage was about. I mean, one of the one of the main characters that is at the Forge, not to spoiler alert for those who haven't watched, is a female. And so, granted, everyone has masks on. Um, but, I mean, it's a female character. I, I don't I, – I just – I, I kind of don't understand what the outrage about this is. Yeah, I don't get I it. Was, I, was unaware, I was unaware of the outrage in the beginning. All right, well, whatever. It, it's, I don't know. I, I, that's, that's a bunch of people. It, it, what it is, it's a bunch of people going in. They're looking for something, and they're, and they're going to find something, you know. Whether it was, if it wasn't the woman thing, it'd be a race thing. Or it'd be, you know, not enough animals were... Uh, shown as yeah. being safe or something you know or 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 oh they showed a a fictional beast in a cage how dare they you know lock up a beast in a cage you know it, it's always going to be something and people are predisposed the social justice crowd particularly predisposed to find something that justifies their position and they 
ultimately it's a sad existence. You know, they can't appreciate the art. They can't appreciate the content. So on top of the other of, of the sniveling of social justice types, one, because the service isn't absolutely perfect. Now it would appear that you, for the wonderful price of $3 a piece and God knows how long they last, can get hacked Disney Plus accounts on the dark web. Ooh, so within hours up. of the streaming service <laughs> bumpy rollout last week, hackers have commandeered user accounts, locking out owners, changing login credentials, and in many cases selling them for as little as $3 a piece. According to a ZDNet investigation, this is part this is a uh, uh, courtesy of uh, the Seattle Times. And uh, was it Taylor Telford is the author? Yeah, this is to be expected. And, you know, as they kind of get their security framework more in order, right, as they kind of bolster this and grow and scale and stuff like that, this will solve itself. This this always happens. Do we know anything about the, the root cause of these breaches? Was it just social justice type? I mean, not social, <laughs> sorry, social engineering, uh, people uh, obtaining passwords, that sort of thing? Or was there actually a uh, a breach of some sort at all? Or do we even know? Well, Disney's denying a court, uh, in an email to the Washington Post that there were any security breaches on Disney+. Plus. Still surprised, I guess, that this happens. But yeah, there, no, there hasn't, there doesn't, well, you know, that's plausible deniability from the company itself that might be trying to do CYA. Right. No, as it stands right now, no, it's um, it, it could have been social engineering. It could have been a, a host of other issues. Um, we don't know. You know, I guess as time moves on and as, again, there's the overall security posture of the website or if the service improves, I think we'll I think we'll eventually get to the get to the bottom of it. And I think this will become uh, the minimum. The biggest threat is not necessarily uh, Disney Plus accounts on the dark web per se. I think it's more, you know, when this stuff becomes available on other kind of sh- of pirate streams. That's that's your biggest thing. No one's going out of their way right now to try to get rogue accounts other than maybe people in foreign countries. And I suspect that's where most of these accounts are being purchased. It's typical, yeah. It's typical, yeah. It's typical. And that'll disappear when the regional restrictions are lifted, i.e. when they can scale the service to other continents. Sure. I, I didn't really get a, a sense of when the release schedule will be for Disney Plus when it came to these other regions of the world. But I suspect as the year goes on, as we get into next year, I suspect it'll be other places. And the, I, I, not, not that I'm a technical expert on security matters, but I suspect over time that this this problem will go away. But this is just more... Everyone kind of just kind of, you know, taking a deuce on Disney Plus in general because it didn't roll out perfectly. I'm enjoying, I'm not enjoying the service nearly as much as most people because I don't want to rewatch Marvel movies. I pretty much own most of the Star Wars movies I care to watch. When more of the original content kind of comes along, then I'll watch it. Maybe if there's a documentary on that geo that I want to watch, maybe I'll watch it. Nine times out of, t- nine times out of ten, this is just another thing I have to pay for. <laughs> Right, so, right. So, um, which I did do the bundle. So that they do have a pretty good bundle when you can bundle Hulu, Net, uh, ESPN Plus, and Disney Plus together. It doesn't really save me any money. It just kind of reconsolidates things. And instead of paying Hulu directly $8 a month, or actually, I'm not even paying them $8 a month. I think I'm paying them barely 5 because they lowered the price. I'm just paying one big package and I'm getting ESPN Plus, which I'm, I'm going to need going into bowl season and NCAA basketball season. There you go. All in all, that's your Disney Plus news. Next up on the list here was the fact that now these the antitrust 
brigade, I guess, uh, of a state's attorney generals are are expanding their antitrust probe of Google to look into not only their search business, but their Android business. This investigation, like all all proceedings coming from the government, has expanded to aspects of uh, other aspects of Google's business. They're going to basically start looking deeper. This is not unexpected, being that uh, over the years, Google's begun to intertwine and integrate a lot of ads into every vertical of its ecosystems. Android is not immune. This, you know, this is just, you know, FYI. I mean, these these guys are ready to. They're going to do the, what they they're going to do to ultimately Google, um, Amazon will be probably next, and I guess Facebook will come along as well. They're basically going to do what they did to Microsoft in the '90s, and this is going to drag out forever. Antitrust investigations of tech companies are never good, even no. to even though Silicon Valley. In the in the in the years since me being very enamored with and in awe of what they do, have become much more politically aligned with the elite of the East Coast or the Acela corridor between New York and D.C. And they have supported politicians and climate for politicians who are interventionists in every aspect of their business and the economy. So there's a little bit of Schattenfreude here when I see that the state attorney generals are now going to be, begin giving a lot of these businesses anal exams of their business practices. That said, these are never good. Case yep. in point to our conversation last week when we discussed the triumph of Microsoft and how it's innovating again. It's, you know, it's won a government contract from the very government that tried to destroy it 18 years before. Right. But it took a long time for Microsoft to recover from the antitrust investigations, which it won, by the way. Yep. A Pyrrhic victory, but it won. And so, yeah, this this is frightening in a sense that maybe this curbs a lot of innovation that Google Facebook and the like will do because they may fear that they are infringing or at least entering areas that are much more regulated than the areas they basically have come to dominate. And not only that, that these state attorneys generals led by Republican Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, I'll give you a rant as to why people who talk a lot of crap about Texas being awesome and whatever need to really understand that like it's just a status, it's just status to the right. Right, but yeah, this is frightening. What innovations are they are are they now going to hold back as time moves on, as these investigations into their anti-competitive behaviors start to expand? At what point then do we start getting throttle of innovation? I read many many articles and many many blog posts and l- listened to many many podcasts uh, in the the dark era where Microsoft was their stock price was pretty much stagnant and they weren't doing anything innovative other than Xbox about how like they felt paralyzed to release anything for fear of the scars that were in, you know, endured during the antitrust suits of the late 90s and early 2000s and that has a chilling effect you know governments don't tend to, people don't tend to think people in the tech press tend to think that you can stick the government on a company and it'll make it better and never, they don't understand it never the, works yeah it never works they don't understand the underlying chilling effects that this has on a business going forward and what innovations it can't pursue, it won't pursue for fear that they're going to rouse the suspicions of the state. It's kind of of tragic in a way, but I'm curious to see maybe there are anti-competitive, I guess, I don't know, tactics that these guys are following through with. And if that's the case, then the laws, I'm using air quotes here for uh, podcast speak, (laughs) uh, uh, should be enforced. However, 
I think those laws are stupid. I think they're slightly unconstitutional. And I think they're counterproductive. And I've always thought that. Well, definitely, it's handicapping and it's stifling, right? I mean, even if the the intent is good, which... I don't know that I could argue that the intent is ever really good. There's always uh, an ulterior motive or something, right? But even if the intent is good, we're doing this to protect the people against, you know, whatever the it is. Consumer. The consumers. Oh my gosh, these poor consumers who are too stupid to know anything about anything. We have to protect them. And, you know, and I hear it all the time, you know, in the, the biggest one, of course, is and I get in an argument with my aunt about it all the time when uh, we talk about drugs coming to market, you know, and well, we need to protect the consumers by testing and stuff. I'm like, okay, I get it. Yeah. There's a certain amount of testing that we probably should do to do our diligence and, and kind of force that. But really, do we need to take it to the level of control where we have right now and, and basically shove out the free market and shove out competition because we're protecting the people. Now, it doesn't really work like that. Is your aunt someone who is sympathetic to the arguments of the left when it comes to pharmaceutical companies? Um, you know, it, it, she's she's an interesting person. She's very much not uh, sympathetic to the left in general. But when it comes to government mandated, you know, it, not to open up a can of worms with vaccination or whatever, but... She's just like, well, if the government says we have to do it, we must do it. You know, if, if the government were to mandate flu shots, she would be the first one coming down and saying we must do this. And if you don't, you're not American. Yeah, that yeah, that kind of thinking is that is, for lack of a better word, my friend, quintessential boomer thinking. Oh, she's total boomer. <laughs> yeah. The way to attack that sometimes is just like, well, can we somewhat agree or can I give you an analogy of the fact that maybe the. FDA and by extension the DEA are the enforcement arms of big pharma. Which they are. Yeah, which they essentially are. Yeah, the whole yeah, like yeah, yeah, I don't want to get into the vaccine thing. I, I just I don't it's funny, I don't I'm one of those guys that's like, well, I don't care. Uh I, I take them not because the government says it's a good idea, it's because like someone who's studied this says that I should. Now granted I've gotten we've gone years without giving people flu flu shots in this household, but I mean, it is what it is. It's 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 funny when you try to. It's hard to pierce that veil on a lot of people when they yeah. they think, well, just because the government is investigating, then there must be something wrong. People tend to think about that. I I, I ran into people well into the the two thousands who thought that Microsoft was the most evil thing in the planet, and they deserved what everything they got when it came to the antitrust suit. Even though we hadn't even finished. Any of the investigation. No, this is actually far after the investigation. Oh, far after. They still believed. Right. Even though like, I was like yeah, they, they won. You, you do realize that they, <laughs> they won. Right. I mean, and, you know, it was, again, a period victory, but they won. But they don't, they just, they just think that like, well, they, we need to punish people who are uh, conducting or, or participating in this anti-competitive behavior. Right. And it's just like, good, I understand the virtue, your virtue is we must do right and be fair and be fair judges of whatever, but you don't understand the unintended consequences of this. And, and just because this could be all BS, um, we could learn in five years that like the reason a lot of this 
investigation was spearheaded was because there were other actors who were interested in slowing down the monopoly of Google or slowing down the monopoly of Facebook. Oh, you're just you're just being a conspiracy theorist now. I mean, that's what that's what they say, right? I mean, conspiracy theory. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. A conspiracy theory is nothing more than like a accusation prior to the facts coming out, right? And <laughs> I'm just sorry. I mean, maybe it's my generation. Maybe it's the community I grew up in. Maybe it's the community I participate in now. But I have a much more healthy skepticism when it comes to particularly anti-competitive, anti-trust type of pro-consumer investigations mm-hmm. because I, I, I grew up on John Stossel. I've read John Stossel. I've, 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 I've lived through the Microsoft whatever, the investigations. I actually have studied the history of the antitrust suit against AT&T. None of this has ever ended up to be positive. None of it. Right. And if anything, it's had always had negative consequences. It's typically been when the government has come in and outlawed maybe anti-competitive behaviors. And this is why I feel that this language they're taking is uh, it's sinister, right? Because no one, you know, because anti-competitive behaviors are things that can be overcome in the free market. It can't be overcome in a market that's highly regulated. Right. Regulation itself is anti-competitive. And they think because they've had victories in the past, I think they, they try to point back to AT&T and MCI's like, but no, that's just a judge getting the government out of someone's way, out of MCI's way. Right. Which then led the way for long distance over microwave. And so I've studied this stuff, guys. Don't, don't, don't doubt me. The, the, the history of this is, is clear. This will not give you the outcome you desire. And it almost seems like to me it's political punishment that the, both the left and the right can get into because they don't like the fact that they do not have control of this medium. Mm-hmm. And they hide behind anti-competitiveness. I need to spend more time maybe formulating that conspiracy theory. But as it's kind of – we won't we, – this won't be the last time we hear about this story. Well, it won't, it won't be the last players either because it's, if it's not Google, it's going to be someone else, right? It always yes. will. Even yeah, even the dreaded, hated Facebook. But yeah, that's that is what it is. But that's just an update that we're gonna we won't keep you guys abreast of this because it is going to inevitably develop into something that will end up. You mark my words, it won't produce the outcomes that they think it should. Anyway, my favorite bureaucrat up there uh, in in the swamp, uh, Ajit Pai, with an, with yet again another victory lap. So mm-hmm. he uh, he was on Dave Rubin's uh, the Rubin Report podcast um, two weeks ago, and he was t- you know talking about wh- what he was doing, what he's doing up at the FCC, dealing with uh, kind of chronicling his fights when it came to repealing of net neutrality. Here's the deal: he was right, you were wrong. Anyone and everyone who was saying that the repeal of the Obama era administration rules—I I forgot what the title the title was under—I think it was Title Three or Title Two, whatever rules that this was cause absolute apocalyptic things to happen. None of this has happened. If anything, we're more competitive. We're building a 5G network. Uh, we just discussed on our last episode that T-Mobile will be turning on a low-frequency 5G network in about two weeks. AT&T, Verizon are, will be following suit. Um, I, I just read, uh, kind of doing show prep this morning, that AT&T is also going to get into the low-band 5G. Uh, and they'll start lighting up their low-band 5G at the beginning of the year. 2020, we have companies launching satellites and wanting to provide internet access via satellite. We have uh, smaller companies due to, I would have to say, some government subsidy 
who are now laying fiber in rural areas, such as mine. Nothing, nothing happened. I'm not paying $5 per tweet. I'm not paying to go to certain sites on the internet other than maybe streaming services or maybe services that I, uh, uh, that I pay for, you know, be it a Patreon account for access to, you know, a, a certain libertarian podcast, certain conservative podcasts, The Blaze, be it, you know, Steven Crowder, be it uh, The Information, the, even the, the paid side of the, the Intercept. I pay. Those, that, that is what I'm paying for. You're the paying access for to content. it still exists. I'm paying for content. And this is the one thing, and I wish I could find the article and put it in the show notes, about when, um, when Pike first started fighting this net neutrality cacophony of nonsense coming from really leftists. He basically said, like, the problem isn't the ISPs. The problem is your edge providers are regulating your content. And right. he was right. Yeah. Twitter is regulating your content. Google, to a certain extent, is regulating your content. Um, Facebook is regulating your content. Right? Yep. Talk to any, talk to any right supremacist that can't spew his hatred on Facebook. <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> or or, or someone who types some particular name yeah. over and over and over again. And it, and it rhymes with... Erica Charamella E-I-E-I-O. Yeah, if anyone so, yeah, out no, there yeah. hasn't done that, uh, I, I invite you to do it. It's kind of a hilarious it's cool. experience. I mean, Type it over I, and I've over. <laughs> yeah, I've done, yeah, I've done that. Um, I haven't done that in particular, but I've definitely uttered some blunt truths in a group on Facebook. Generally, my Facebook account is pretty, it's not terribly political. It's typically just kind of boomer stuff. Right. right. Conservative boomers. <laughs> right. Um, it's not, you know, or, you know, or cool Gen X things that I remember. Like, you may, like, remember when you have a picture like of a Nintendo cartridge or something. Um, or, you know, hey, the weather's awesome. Or, hey, you know, wishing my friend a happy birthday and stuff like that. In my groups, I get a little bit more, you know, um, saucy. And yeah, like I've been throttled or I've had my re- content removed. Um, that doesn't give me free access. Like. So, or, or the, uh, or Gab for, for, uh, for all of its hate, uh, it's, it's being this cauldron of hate and stuff like that. I mean, they were trying to build their own platform and they're still kind of out there building their own platform, but like they couldn't, they, the access to their platform was thwarted, not by ISPs, by, by edge providers. These edge providers are in the forms of CDNs, which is content distribution networks mm-hmm. and hosting providers and stuff like that. Those edge providers are, are, are your enemy. They, it, isn't, it isn't Verizon. It isn't AT&T. They don't care. They, they just need you on the internet and paying absorbent prices per bit or byte or gigabyte. And they don't, they don't care. They don't even care much anymore if it's a torrent. Um, they, just want the, they just want the revenue stream. It's the edge providers who, in, in, in content producers, who will always be your gatekeepers. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it, here's how, why this matters, man. The, the less the government meddles with this, the more we can then have these fights about edge providers and stuff like that. But we're dealing more of the culture of censorship than really um, in how it permeates these big tech companies and how they then can use that because they're quasi governments for all intents and purposes, but at least I'd rather be governed by Facebook than by, you know, the current regime. Um, 
but we have to rec- recognize that that's what they are. Yeah, they're, um, they're, we don't they're, need regulators meddling in that. I mean, I, I, what I love is that if we're smart, we can make our choice not to use those providers, right? We, there's other ways to get our message, get our news, whatever. What what bothers me is their ability to do this cultural engineering that they're trying to do, right? To shift our values, to to uh, convince us that our thinking is wrong, or you know, what is it? What was the what's the term in 1984? Um, is it wrong speak, wrong think, or wrong 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 think or some anyway? But I mean, they're doing it, but they're doing it because they have the they have the reach, they have the demand and people I think need to kind of just learn to say, okay, you know what? I don't need that. You know, but of course you get people out there. They're going to be like, this is the only way I can connect with my family and blah, 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 blah. Well, okay. Well you pick your fights, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here's the deal, man. I'm just going to go out on a limb and I don't necessarily I'm not necessarily a guy that likes to fanboy out, but Ajit Pai, the first generation Indian American born and raised in Kansas who read Hayek and understands markets, will probably go down as the most consequential FCC chairman we've had since probably Michael Powell. And so he's, 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 it is good to have people at the helm of a regulatory institution to understand their role is to be, um, a person who removes obstacles, who finds solutions around problems when dealing with other bureaucracies. And he's been very instrumental in that, particularly in the satellite realm, um, particularly in the frequency spectrum realm. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I, he, he, you know, it, it'll, it'll be sad when his tenure ends because, yeah, he's been probably the most consequential of all FCC chairmen because he, he truly does understand his role. Hey, maybe he'll run for office, huh? Yeah, he could. He could. I mean, he'd probably be a, a, a typical kind of Republican type. But like, hell, if I were if I lived in uh, Kansas, I, I'd probably vote for the guy. The guy's yeah, he's just real solid dude. He gets the internet. He gets memes, and um, he's I, I, he's he's done a decent job of running the FCC. Not the perfect job. The perfect the perfect job would have been you know being a little bit more transparent for some of the complaints and stuff that he, that were being lodged during the kind of open time debate for, uh, you know, challenging net neutrality. Cause it would have been better for him to knock down those arguments in the, um, what is the, what is the one period when they release a regulation and they have the uh, comment period. There was some, there was some, probably some bad news. Uh, there was some, probably some, some shenanigans going on there, but I mean, if they, you know, fight fire with fire with these guys, cause they were ultimately wrong. Yeah. Everyone who was talking about net neutrality is this horrible thing. I mean, we're again, man, we got 5G networks lighting up in the next six months. We got streaming services all over the place. We have satellites, you know, constellations being launched. We have, you know, you know, Comcast uh, or, or Xfinity, uh, um, um, ATT. You have uh, smaller ISPs. You have Verizons and, and T-Mobiles and, and – uh, God, time warners and stuff you know they're, they're 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 kicking up the network speeds every day like we're getting more for our money every year and so victory lap for the for the bureaucrat at the fcc even though and this will probably be the few times you'll ever hear me give a bureaucrat some props good for him in the, all right so with the yeah, this topic here in government procurement is corrupt as f news 
Amazon strikes back against Jedi. The, so we talked last episode about the awarding of the uh, Joint Enterprise, uh, what is it? The data Center Infrastructure or de- Deployment Infrastructure Contract? Let me see what it's called so I understand it right. Do, 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 do. Don't ah, you okay. love Defense. acronyms? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a cool acronym, but I don't remember what it stood for. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so Joint um, joint Enterprise Defense Infrastructure, JEDI. So Microsoft got a word of that um, a couple weeks ago, and, you know, 10 or $10 billion, it moves them into the realm. It's a victory lap for Microsoft because, you know, the very same federal government that was trying to, you know, basically sow the seeds of their destruction now depends on it. Now would depend on its Azure services for delivering of defense infrastructure for, you know, the Department of Defense. So this week, uh, Amazon, who was one of the finalists in the uh, Jedi uh, uh, betting, um, launched a formal complaint. So it sues, um, sues over the loss of the Pentagon Cloud deal to Microsoft. So basically, on the, the as of this podcast, it was pretty much on Friday of this week, which was pretty much the twenty second, um, that they filed a lawsuit against. The awarding of this contract to Microsoft. It was filed in the U.S. Court of Washington, um, U.S. federal claims in Washington. So it was in it's in that jurisdiction. And basically, what they're saying is um, they were bi- they were biased against um, because the Trump administration has been mean to them. So here, but here, but here's the deal, right? Like, there's kind of a good reason, kind of like, you know, this isn't the, probably the show to discuss the whole, you know, impeachment thing, but like, it's kind of one of those things where, like, so Amazon is citing that it's 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 unmistakable bias that Microsoft got the contract, and I'm almost I am willing to agree with them because this contract was supposed to be awarded like last year, or at the very least, right? But they pushed back that process because at the, Oracle and IBM were making noises about a conflict of interest. So go, going to the intercept um, from June of 3rd of this year, in a federal lawsuit, uh, the tech giant Oracle has provided new details to support its accusation that Amazon secretly negotiated a job offer with the then Defense Department official who helped shape the procurement process for the massive federal contract for which Amazon was the key bidder. Now, at the time, Amazon was the key bidder, and they were the finalists in this. And so it was this revelation which caused the Trump administration probably, well, this is what we see now, but it was a previous kind of um, lawsuit that caused the Trump administration last year to put this on hold. This story chronicles the fact that Oracle then submitted additional documentation that said, hey, you know, Amazon has an unfair advantage. So here's the deal. So this defense, to con- uh, this defense um, department contractor used to work for Amazon, left Amazon, went to work for the DO, uh, DOD because they were hiring experts to help them formulate this, uh, this Jedi procurement contract. Toward the end of the process, right, Mm-hmm. This this individual was probably it was in negotiations with Amazon to go back to Amazon once his work was complete at the Defense Department. So, so basically, 
uh, we need you to go over here for a little bit and work for the Defense Department for a little bit and put in a good word and then come back real quick. So, yeah. So, apparently, this this worker, like, did they, I don't know where they get the proof for this, and I don't think they ever obviously proved it because ultimately the case was, was dismissed or thrown out. But apparently he had verbally committed, this person had verbally committed on October 4th, October 4th of 2017 and then didn't recuse himself until October 31st of 2017. But And then he subsequently then went back to um, Amazon right after that. Um, and then Amazon had to then come back in and say, in a belated submission from Amazon... Um, the DOD contracting officer that finally uh, officer that finally acknowledged that a months long employment talks had been going on, so they had to amend a filing in this process to say, oh yeah 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 yeah, um, yeah yeah yeah, we were in talks with this guy during this process. Hmm. But ultimately, the GAO hmm. and no one else, or none of no one found anything wrong with this. Everything procured, everything moved forward. So we throw out. Everything. Uh, so Oracle and IBM are out. And now it, it, this is at this point, at, at this point, when the, at the writing of this article, it was only Amazon and Microsoft. This is what led the Trump administration to do what it did. I think Microsoft won by default because there was a lot of shenanigans going on with the awarding of this contract. And here's the deal, though. That's the procurement process. And um, Amazon is well within its rights to file a complaint. This typically happens after the award of any big contract. Typically, the loser will always get an opportunity to file. Um, sure. The, uh, they, they win. I, guess I, can't, I can't remember because I went through this when we changed contractors where I work. They win less than 10% of the time to reverse the award. So it's not going to ha- I don't suspect it's going to happen, particularly because there were shenanigans going into this to begin with. Now, granted, they, they do have a case. They are in D.C. Everyone in D.C. hates President Trump and the Trump administration as a whole. The Trump administration has been talking mad, you know, feces about like Amazon, uh, Bezos, uh, Washington Post since he came into office. So, you know, there might be there might be a sympathetic ear for the hearing in the case, but these things rarely get overturned. And and, and, and this is even this is even if I think that Amazon is a much from a technical standpoint, was would have been a much better pick, but and, you know, I'm surprised Google didn't make the final cut. But I don't think Google even competitively bedded um, because they were dealing with their own social justice nonsense. I think their foray into trying to do any Defense Department contracts was met with lots of vitriol from the rank and file of the company. And we actually went over this some episodes ago about. Back when when Google finally decided to like start cracking down on these activists within the organization, so I think Google probably couldn't compete for this because they were dealing with such inner turmoil. But Microsoft won this probably by default because they were the least dirty. Because you know Oracle and IBM have been doing have been have had government contracts for decades, and so you know they felt entitled to it. Um, Amazon has had government contracts for almost a decade particularly cloud contracts, but first procurement contracts when it comes to buying stuff, then cloud contracts, they probably felt entitled. They also kind of stacked the deck. It was, it's very obvious in the disgustiness that is this process that the spec for the uh, Jedi contract was probably written based on AWS. But all, now all cloud infrastructures are basically the same. So maybe it didn't matter at this point, but 
the Trump administration definitely put the brakes on what was probably going to be an award for Amazon, and something changed their mind, and now Amazon is on the outs. And I think it it it, it probably is bias. I I I I have no doubt about that because the Trump administration is a petty organization. So I don't know. It sounds like they were up to some weird stuff. Um, it it just really does sound to me like this was always their plan. Get someone on the inside. But I don't know. I, I wasn't there. I couldn't. And somehow they justif- they justified it because ultimately Oracle's uh, right. complaint was kind of th- lawsuit was kind of thrown out. So obviously they had found some justification to justify some of these less th- less than stellar shenanigans. Uh, you know, it's, it's again when I started this off as a topic and I said, like, in government procurement is corrupt news. This is this is more the same. It's just more of the same. Yep. And it's always, especially the bigger you get the and the more money we're talking about, right? It's just going to get more bigger and worse. And Yeah. No. And, 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 it's what the, and, you know, this is the swamp you want to play in. When you want to get these contracts and you got to play in that swamp, you got to know how to play in that swamp. That's the one thing I can give tech companies that have learned, that they've learned from the antitrust suits of the 90s when it comes into Microsoft is the fact that they learned it. It makes... It's not smart to ignore DC for long, and it probably makes more sense to put people in government uh, that sh- that that are smarter, uh, smart uh, at your business, or to at least extend the hand of g- offering people in government positions within uh, your tech organization. Uh, Facebook learned this, Twitter learned this, all these guys learned this. This is why these guys are all all talking the same line and are all sympathetic to. Anything that DC wants to push down and they're the first to tell you that we should, you know, we should proceed with X, but like we need regulation, need regulation, free nigger, right? Nothing is, is like fingernails on a chalkboard to me than when I hear a tech company that, uh, uh, that has built its bones by not asking for permission, having to say that, man, we should push forward with any new initiative or new technology by asking for permission. And that mm-hmm. is what I call regulation. Yep. Well, um, in light of the fact that we no longer have like a cryptocurrency minute, uh, is anything like that? Is there any other stories or anything else that raised your ire this week in the tech world that you want to discuss? You know, I'm 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 gonna tease it. Uh, I think in next episode, uh, we're we want to really touch on this uh, happenings that's going on up in Fullerton, where uh, city of Fullerton is coming down on a couple of. Uh, our friends in uh, the Liberty Movement of uh, accessing some files that uh, Fullerton didn't exactly want them to access on their Dropbox account um, that kind of uh, told us a, a pretty pretty wild story about the shenanigans going on within the city of Fullerton. And uh, as soon as they brought this to the attention of the people of Fullerton, of course, the city now is having a uh, a problem with it, and uh, of course, they're suing them and they're trying to shut them down and everything. So, um, I'm watching this very carefully. Uh, you know, it's a tech news uh, article to me for sure, from an information security perspective, as well as a you know a general knowledge perspective of how people need to know about security because if they are about technology, because if they don't, these are the kinds of things that people with power will use 
in the ignorance of a judge or a jury to throw out a bunch of jargon to kind of bring somebody down or to get their way even, right? So yeah. there, are, um, there are many angles to this that definitely need to be explored. Like the like more important like more importantly, the promise of said technology in the form of these bloggers to basically hold you know speak truth to power hold the powerful accountable look right. deep into the bowels of the inner workings of any municipal organization and finding out what's going on and being having the freedom to then publish that information on these online mediums that are, have been greatly empowering um right. particularly when it came to you know information access and 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 just transparency that was the promise of these technologies Yes. And now I think the state, um, to to use uh, that vernacular as opposed to like government, is seeing the power of that, and they are uh, striking back, and they want to thwart at every aspect. Like, they say they talk a good game about wanting to be transparent, but ultimately, if there's a threat to their power by being transparent, because you didn't get to see the shenanigans and the and the effery that they conduct. Then this is what you have, right? Um, so yeah, I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna get deep into this too, and just really, really look into this and 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 like understand what's going on, right? Because when we talk about tech from a liber liberty perspective, the most liberating aspect of tech in the last twenty years has been the ability for information to be free, and um, in this instance, this is information that needed to be free because it was definitely covering up uh, a lot of government malfeasance and CYA and good old boys and back scratching. And yeah, yeah. I, I look forward to the deep, deep dive next time we get together. So yeah, this will, this will be a good one to, uh, to touch on. Like I said, I don't want to get too much into it, but suffice it to say, there's, there's plenty going on here that uh, even to a layperson with just a little bit of education is going to really open their eyes and say, whoa, <laughs> we put up with this, you know? Yeah. No, man. Well, God, I, I'm excited about it now and stuff like that. And um, yeah, so that's it, ladies and gents, for thank you for your servers. I've once again been Thaddeus Preston, a.k.a. Nick Way. Follow me on the Twitters at Nick Way. One day, we'll have an Instagram and a Facebook and even a Patreon. But for right now, uh, we're still working out the bugs. And um, I'm, I'm, my boy Gary and I, have, uh, we're, we're, we have day jobs. So it's a little hard to investigate this stuff. But uh, thanks, for, uh, thanks for hanging out again, Gary. Thanks for talking. Thanks for offering your two cents. Always fun. All right. Uh, any any hook, hooks or plugs? Not unless someone wants to come over and help me change the transmission fluid in my truck today. Hard pass. All right. <laughs> That's been thank you for your servers. We're logging off. Bye.